Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. To another episode of What's the Hype podcast. And an interception, and you're not down by 10 anymore. Andre Howe, his second interception. To get you the information that you need is when you start your own business and do your own thing. And I felt like it gave me a good perspective. I was not the first person to go through what I went through. Welcome to another episode of What's the Hype Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Pope, a.k.a. The Pod Disciple. I'm Andre Howe. Welcome to another episode. We just excited, man. We got another special guest, a Nashville native, uh, Vanderbilt University alumni. So Dre, you know, really know, know him very well, former teammate, good friend, founder and president of Rose Creek Wealth uh, Management and author of PTSD. And we'll talk about that. But with no further ado, we want to welcome to the podcast, Reggie Ford. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Jeff? Dre, appreciate y'all for having me. For sure, for sure. Absolutely, man. We're excited. Um, I don't know how much you are familiar with our platform, but what we like to do, man, we just like to bring guys on that are familiar with the sports space, that have kind of, you know, you know, work, either work in it or have been a part of it and just kind of understand the concept a lot of times of what um, athletes and those in, that, in the industry um, um, face or have experience and just kind of tell that story. So um, with that being said, we just like to really start from the beginning. You know, tell us a little bit about where you're from, obviously Nashville. Tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up there. Yeah. So like you said, Nashville native, been here my entire life. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up, it was it was it was cool. It was rough, uh, I guess. I um, my mom, single mom, she was a teenager when she had me, my dad was uh barely in my life growing up was in and out of prison uh but you know i had had a lot of support a lot of family around most of my family like extended family and all is is in nashville so that was nice to have and uh but you know just i was i was one i was a kid that was always just good at school good in the books and so i uh i was i, I used education man and it helped me get to get opportunities that i never thought imaginable so I grew up in the public school, growing going through school, and then I got an opportunity to go to a private school, uh, Montgomery Bell Academy here in Nashville, and really just changed the course of my life. And you know that led to Vandy and then everything else that I've been doing. But you know it's it's just a blessing to be able to to tell my story and come from coming from where I came from. So when did you first start playing sports? Uh, which sport was it? And uh, who inspired you the most? Yeah. First started like organized sports, uh, probably 10, I was 10 years old and I was playing football for an organization, nonprofit organization called Backfield in Motion. And prior to that, like I was always playing football and basketball and everything else around the neighborhood, but I couldn't afford, we couldn't afford, uh, you know, league fees and we didn't have a car. So I couldn't get to and from games and practices and things like that. But Backfield in Motion is nonprofit, uh, solved all those issues you know like i walked to the center and played for the center and then they would provide transportation they would provide food they would give tutoring and everything else so it was a it was a blessing to have that program around and that introduced me to uh one vandy i played in the first my first year i played in the all-star game and it was at vandy stadium and uh you know that I, my eyes were open then and i was like this is where i want to play when i when i make it to, to college um but uh yeah i played football 
then you know got in I, I was playing basketball but organized didn't start until i was like in sixth grade i think and uh played that through co- uh, through high school played football through college and then ran track so track track was probably my my favorite and the best sport that i was playing and uh so yeah those kind of sports i played i think you said uh inspiration from a professional level, I mean, I always looked up to Barry Sanders growing up. So, mm-hmm. you know, my first number was twenty. I was, you know, running around trying to be Barry. But, uh, you know, I can name I can name a ton of people. I'm gonna leave it at Barry. <laughs> Man, it's it's amazing how uh, exposure, you know, leads to expansion. Meaning, just being able to to see something, right, and the you know being able to process and say, you know, now this is something I can aspire to. So when you talk about just having the opportunity to play in Vandy Stadium and how that left an imprint on you, that began the process of ultimately leading you there. And that's just so powerful, right? Like mm-hmm. understanding how, you know, thoughts, you know, leads to, um, can, you know, lead to a dream that can be fulfilled. So um, I just want to make sure that, you know, that's something that people caught on and can grasp. So, oh yeah, um, but, but, that, but that's amazing. Now you talk about, you know, to, let's get to your high school. You talk about going to a private school, a, a school that was pretty, you know, dominant in sports or kind of have a history of uh, sports. Can you talk about, you know, that school um, and then, uh, you know, your success uh, individually and as a team while you were there? Yeah. So, yeah, the school uh, was just a football powerhouse in, in Tennessee uh, for years and years. And it's probably one of the oldest. It's older than Vanderbilt, the school is. So uh, it's got history for days. And, um, but, uh, you know, the transition from public school coming from where, you know, there's probably like four or five white kids in my class to being the only black kid in my class when I got to MBA, it was tough socially, but uh, academically adapted well to it and a- athletically uh, did the same. And it was, it was, uh, you know, it was fun to be a part of uh, a winning program. We, I came, my, my, the school I went to right before that, we went 0-7 in football and it was it was just it was ugly it was sad uh but got the nba and it was like you know losing was an anomaly you, you mm-hmm. just you didn't get used to losing ever and uh we ended up going on a tear like uh, my junior year we were the best team in the state uh went 13 and 0 uh we ranked highest i don't know like 15 12 15 in the nation uh, at one point and you know it was just it was a crazy career a crazy season for us Senior year, we we came back with a with a pretty good season. We lost two games, but we still pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then for me personally, like I was, I uh, you know a team leader, of course, on all the teams that I played on, and um, you know a leader in the classroom as well, which was which I think surprised a lot of people. You know, coming one, you got to take like an entrance exam and things like that. And I don't know if I scored what they thought I was going to score or whatever, but like, it didn't look like I was going to do well at this school. And uh, I ended up, you know, just, just doing me and, and, and doing well, but uh, it, it set me up for sure for college, like one of the most academically challenging schools in the state, probably in the Southeast. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, so many good things to say about it. You know, my time there was, it was like this love, hate, good, bad relationship <laughs> with it. But I think we all can say that about our high school. So. Definitely, definitely. We're going to talk about your recruiting process and where you decided to go to college. Yeah. So when I listen to y'all pie and I'm like, man, all these dudes like knew what to do. And it's crazy <laughs> because we've had, we had, you know, plenty of greats that made it to college and played in the NFL and things like that. But 
recruiting was never a priority at NBA at my at the time that I was there. So we had, like I said, we went 13. We had some guys on the team that just weren't getting looks because I didn't go to a single camp. Um, I didn't I didn't talk to a single college coach. I, I just didn't know. And then and my coach, he was really young. He's like 26 at the time. And like, I don't think he knew. And um, and so all of the the recruiting was done by the Ivy Leagues for me. So I had, you know, offers from Harvard and, and, you know, cool schools, like great schools. I'm like, I want the D1. I want the SEC offer, you know, and that just wasn't in, that wasn't in the cards for me. So I had some small mid-majors and then, uh, you know, Ivy Leagues. And, uh, you know, it, it for me, I, I wanted to stay in Nashville. I had younger siblings. Um, all my family was here and going away to the Ivies just didn't feel right for me. I felt like I would have been put in a situation similar to the transition from public school to MBA where it was just, it would have been too much socially mm-hmm. to, to, to overcome. So I decided I was going to apply to Vandy and I got in and, you know, I initially didn't even think I was going to play uh, just because nagging injuries from high school and things like that. I was like, man, let me, let me just focus on school, have fun. And, uh, but, you know, ended up walking on and So, yeah. I'm one of the best decisions I ever made. It's it's uh, interesting. Uh, our um, life kind of parallels in a very similar way. As a senior, wasn't really sure really about the process, even though my high school, which is a prominent sports high school down in Miami, I'm originally from Miami. Um, I had a lot of guys signing and going to school before me, but just it wasn't really a focus of like everybody need to make sure you're taking these tests. You're making sure that you qualify, making sure that you understand the process. So, uh, so for me, I kind of, kind of wasn't sure exactly, you know, what it is that I had to make sure to put myself in the best position possible. So, um, much like yourself, I had to walk on at college, um, and end up, you know, being able to have success in that way. Can you talk about ultimately when you decided to, to, uh, make the decision to walk on, um, and what that overall experience was for you? Yeah. So it was, it was, the first game of the season, so the freshmen at Vandy, they do this like run, they call it a gold rush or something like that. We all wear gold shirts and uh, and all of them just run on the field. And it was my first time on a football field where I wasn't playing and, you know, since I was 10 years old. And it just didn't feel right. It didn't sit right with me. Being in the stands didn't sit right. And so that was kind of the spark. It was like, all right, I need, the passion is still there. I need to get back out here. And um, so Interesting enough, like the, my high school coach, his great grandfather uh, was an all time great at Vandy and our whole facility, our football facility is named after him. And uh, so I called him. I was like, yo, coach, I'm, I'm thinking about walking on. You think you can, you know, make a call. And uh, He made a call, literally got brought into the office. Well, I met with uh, a coach at Vandy first and told him I went to walk on. Then I called my high school coach. And then the next day he was like, you on the team. So, wow. Yeah, it was it was one of those things like you know network it your network is uh is everything and so I had uh you know I had proven myself to my high school coach enough for him to just put his you know vouch for me like that just without you know seeing me for you know however many months it had been and um and then you know the coaches respected my coach enough to to accept me on the team so I didn't try out or anything like that it was just you know let's go and uh as i don't think that's the case for most walk-ons but uh it was it was cool <laughs> absolutely not the case and I, I like that i like that whole that idea because what i want to speak to in that regard is maintaining good relationships right like 
you know, every relationship matter, whether it be your position coach in high school, the, the coordinator, the head coach, just really maintaining those relationships can go a long way because even if you're fortunate enough to be able to be considered at the pro level, the scouts and the, the, they all circle back and like yeah. have conversations. So I always tell young oh, yeah. guys, like it is important to maintain relationships. And, and even if it was, if it didn't work out in your favor and that, that way, don't burn those bridges. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like one of my best friends, he's a scout and uh, he'll tell me, you know, he, he's got the high school head coach and position coach who moved on they in corporate America somewhere, but they calling them just to check on character and yes. check on how they how they, how they work ethic is and things like that. So I couldn't stress that enough either. Yeah, definitely never burn a bridge. And you know, people move in their different directions. You may lose touch with people, but never burn a bridge. Absolutely. That's that's Rich. I didn't know that, Reggie. Yeah. yeah. Didn't know that. That's, that's crazy. Real. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you you had the honor of being a part of the Vanity football team. And uh can you talk about talking about your major and what you what your career was? After football? Yeah. So I came to school thinking I was going to study psychology. And so psychology has always been a passion of mine, which is, you know, writing a book that is heavily based on mental health and psychology. Um, But I took a psych class and it was one of the hardest classes I've ever taken in my life. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I just stuck to reading psychology on my own and uh, switched to econ. So I was an economics major and a corporate strategy, basically our business minor. So I was, I was strictly business, numbers, finance, things like that. And um, so that that was literally like, I didn't know anything else coming. You know, I didn't know about computer science and, and things like that, but business was something I always had a passion for and felt like if I, if I learned enough, I could, you know, start my own business one day. I always had this like entrepreneurial spirit. And um, so, yeah, I studied econ thinking and, and, you know, Coming out of Vandy as an econ major, you automatically like thinking investment banking, Wall Street. And that's what most, that's like 90% of people that come out of there do. I didn't have those connections. I didn't have the internship experience. I didn't have that. So I ended up going back to school and getting my master's in accounting from the business school at Vandy. And that set me up to take and pass the CPA exam. And I, I worked for a big four uh, accounting firm for uh, a couple of years as an external auditor. And I got to see a ton of stuff, you know, working on Fortune 500 companies and things like that, um, you know, making sure that their books were stated correctly and that, uh, you know, everything behind creating those numbers were right. And um, I did that for a couple of years, but it, I just, it was, it wasn't fulfilling me the way that I wanted it to. And so I, um, started looking for other opportunities. And again, the network, you know, a person that I knew from high school, uh, his dad has started a bank and wealth management company. And he heard I was looking, uh, we had a couple meetings and, you know, before I knew it, I was starting in wealth management. And, uh, you know, it, it was probably one of the best decisions that I made because, you know, even going through econ and business minor and everything, and learning about personal finance and learning about investments. That's something that just doesn't get taught. And like, that's coming from an econ major, accounting master, like it just doesn't get taught. And it took me being in the working world, doing it for other people to understand the whole, you know, complexities of it all. 
And um, so I did, I worked there for a couple of years and decided, you know, I really had this passion to help, you know, people that, that came up like I came up that uh, may be the first in their family to really have the opportunity to create generational wealth. And that's why I started Rose Creek Wealth Management. Man, I think, again, I, if, if we're paying attention to just the things that you're saying, again, it goes back to relationships. You got a friend whose dad started a, a business that opened the door for you to kind of learn more and understanding, again, not burning bridges, understanding how to build and cultivate relationships is so special. You can have someone who have all the tools and the skills to be successful in whatever space they, they are in. But if it, any type of social interaction that is that is valuable in the industry, if you don't, if you lack that, you're going to lack, right? Because mm -hmm. you got guys that don't, that may not have all the technical skills, but have the social skills and are really successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but I just wanted to, again, highlight that reference of being, you knowing somebody that again, starting a bank and I, I don't have to guess what background they may be from. You talk about starting <laughs> a bank and world management. Come on, man. That, that's a whole different ballpark. Oh right? yeah. Oh yeah. That's big time. That's big time. And wow. it's, it's, it's successful, too. It's like, you know, it's been around for now about 15, 20 years. So it's, it's been successful. And it's amazing to see what, it, what, it, what started as an idea and what it turned into. Uh, but even going back a little bit further, back to like the relationship part of it. You know, once once I finished my uh, my master's degree, the big four accounting firms, like when you meet when you meet and, and interview, it was it was a very relaxed interview for for our group just because of, they knew the quality of students they were going to get coming out of Vandy's uh, Masters of Accountancy program. Uh, what it came down to, and and knowing this on the other side too, is when I was the actual employee there, we're looking for people we can get along with, people that we like, people that uh, personalities vibe with ours, and because all the technical stuff it'll either get you either expected to know it or it's gonna get taught to you mm -hmm. and so you know from there it's like man can i sit down in a room with this person for 12 hours because sometimes it's some long days and the answer is yeah then yeah you know more times than not you're gonna get an invite wow no, that's good to know that's definitely good for someone to to, to kind of consider that and start thinking think about that early on so as you mentioned, as a founder and president of Rose Creek Wealth Management, can you talk about um, why you decided to start your own company and, and who are the people that you really wanted to serve? Yeah. So when I talk about the name Rose Creek, it comes from the, the poem by Tupac, Rose, that grew from a crack in the concrete. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, th that metaphor and that imagery is just, you know, you see a rose coming out of cracking the concrete through all the perceived impossibilities its tenacity helped it grow and reach the sun. And I, I viewed my life as as that story, you know, through all the craziness that goes on in life and, and so many other people's lives, you know, that to have the ability to succeed and thrive, um, that was just something I wanted to celebrate. And not only in my story, but in the stories of, of my clients as well. And so uh, while I was at the, the wealth management company, I, um, I had written a article um, on why athletes go broke. And I was doing all this research and uh, it, it just reading article after article, headline after headline, it was just breaking my heart every time. Cause it'd be people that, you know, I, I looked up to playing Madden or people that um, I'd known either played against or played with. And uh, it was, it was just heartbreaking. 
And the one, you know, there were many different things, but the theme throughout that I noticed was just like the lack of education. You know, going back to what I was saying, like I, I had a whole master's in accounting and still didn't know this stuff until I got into the work that I was doing. And so I wanted to create the company and emphasize education, emphasize financial literacy, building the building blocks, starting that, you know, because, you know, the stuff that we learn in math, right? We started at one plus one. We started learning numbers. Then we go one plus one, one minus one. But that's where we got to start with financial literacy and building and investing and things like that to get to the places of the huge complex stuff that goes on. And uh, too often we skip all that and we just go straight to the most crazy, flashy investment or thing that you can do. And so it was it was important for me to really treat it as a educational piece and grow, um, you know, the, the literacy, financial literacy for all my clients. And so I worked with professional athletes and, and young, thriving professionals, affluent professionals who are, you know, the roses that grow out of concrete. You know, the first time, gen, first generation uh, college grads and, you know, lawyers and doctors and, and people who are really, you know, influencers in the community. So um, it's been good because it's exciting. I get inspired by my clients every single day because of the work that they're doing, the stuff that they're doing. Um, but at the same time, we're growing together and I'm helping them understand the power that they have to, you know, potentially create and, and maintain and pass down generational wealth. So, so it's, one, it's being one of your, I'm one of your clients. So, yeah, you're helping with my finances. But can you talk about the, the challenges you see with athletes that are from under, underserved communities that have worked so, so hard on the crowd, but do not, is not educated on themselves around finances? And yeah. what do you think and what do you think can be done to help change their that this narrative? Yeah. So I wanna I wanna get some legal this is not considered financial advice, uh no solicitation of uh securities or anything like that. This is just my opinion, not LPL, not Rose Creek Wealth Management, not LO Anthems. But um I would say um you know some of the challenges is is you get <laughs> You get a, a lot of, you got an entourage, right? You got an entourage with you when, when you become this figure, this this professional athlete. Everybody can Google you and, and see the details of your contract and things like that. So that brings a lot of attention that, um, you know, isn't always the best. And, and what that does is it just creates this uh, expectation from the community around you that you have to act or be a certain way. And, and what I see is that that's detrimental to, you know, the spending habits or the gifting habits of said individual. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of times, you know, when you come from, you know, growing up in, in, in underserved communities and you, you got so many people feeding you to get you to the point to where you made it to the NFL, you feel like uh, obligated, rightfully so to give back to that community. But there are tactical, there are tactful ways to do that um, to where it's not detrimental. And so I think that's where the education comes in and understanding, you know, like looking at this large lump sum of money and just doing some simple division, right? You can divide your salary. Once you take out taxes, agent fees, dues, everything else. All right, now let's divide that by how many people you think this is gonna feed. 
then divide that by how many years you think this is going to last. And when you start to do that, you know, you realize that, okay, the piece that's coming to you is only $20,000 a year. Can't live off that, right? And so, like, getting, getting the education piece and then understanding, you know, the power that you have if you make some adjustments to either your spending or your gifting or, or just, you know, investing habits uh, can make a huge impact. I've had this conversation with many of our guests, especially those that are in the financial space, about making it an emphasis for younger guys just to be exposed to finances, whether it be high school, extracurricular mm-hmm. activities. I think that, you know, I don't know how to tackle tackle this from a broad standpoint, national standpoint, where you can, you know, almost require it. If you, if you can mandate this as a part of any high school program, I guarantee you it would change the landscape when it just, when you just talk about the basis of understanding um, finances, especially if you have the opportunity in whatever says sport that you are participating in. So look at contracts early on, right? If, if I can start understanding more in depth contracts from a, if I'm a high school player, look at how it breaks down, signing bonus, guarantee, um, you know, all these little nuances that go into contracts. Now, as I start to, move along now i'm at the college level right i can get a little more detail because i may have teammates that go right and be able to come back and tell me hey this is really how it works you only get paid for 17 weeks you're not getting paid in the off season if you don't have no you know workout bonus in your in your contract like those things that you can be able to get really expose guys to that now when it, their opportunity comes i think they're further along oh yeah absolutely i think the earlier you start the better um, and, and honestly, so growing up in the hood, you know, the, the talks about money were different than the talks that I rec- witnessed when I went to NBA mm-hmm. and, you know, they had been having conversations, even if it's just, you know, hearing it at the dinner table, you know, dad talking to mom about, you know, the mortgage and this and that, and that, like you're hearing those conversations and it's starting to, you know, create, create this, uh, interest in you. And, uh, so I've, I see even in wealthier communities uh, where the conversation is had even earlier, you know, three, four years old, when you start getting an allowance or birthday money, like you're having to make these real life decisions about, OK, do I do this, do that? Do I invest and save? And, and, and so, like, you know, the word invest didn't mean anything to me until I got to shoot college, honestly. And uh, but to understand what that means early, early on. So that because everything is about habits, right? You build these good habits over your lifetime. Um, then you start to make better, better decisions when it comes that time and you get that big check. Right. Absolutely. Now, that's 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 key. And I think that's really dropping some some information, even on young those that are watching that may be parents like early on. Let's start that conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's set up some uh, custodial accounts and you're just, you know, automatically having money going to that. Um, I, I remember watching, just kind of dealing with my financial advisor, and I'm, I'm a little, I understand finances a little bit, um, but just a, 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 a documentary show. If you're, if you start with a thousand dollars for your son at that before the age of one, by the time he's at retirement age, if you know, say if it's not used for college or whatever, you're talking about over a million dollars, you know, compounding interest, right? Like. Yeah just those type of things like you can even if that's the sacrifice to start the generational wealth or even to be the first millionaire like if you can put a thousand dollars away and allow it to sit 
in an account that is in that's invested in the market, you know what that can do. So just imagine if you mm-hmm. even if you're doing fifty dollars a month after you put a thousand, you do fifty. Like that changes the whole landscape. Yeah, yeah. Instead okay. of buying shoes, instead of buying like all those <laughs> things that we think of, especially from our community, yeah, Louis J's and all that type of stuff. Yeah, you put that money in those accounts, man. That's that's game changing. Even by the time if he's eighteen and looking for an opportunity to go to college, like you, that's Absolutely. that's game changing. Absolutely, and and compound interest. You said it, but uh, it's it's the eighth wonder of the world. Like it it it, it literally. You can you can benefit from it or you can suffer from it, mm-hmm. right? And the benefit is the investment. What you just said, you put that thousand in, you watch it grow over over the course of of time. That's the benefit. But the opposite side is what so many people fall victim to is the the interest rate that's tied to debt. That's compounded too, and so that's the negative versus the positive. And if we can get more people on the positive side, understanding you know, just the, the reoccurring, the regular, the automatic money that you put away, whether it's a dollar or a million dollars a month, uh, it has a huge impact and it's much greater than the amount of money that you put in because of, you know, time value of money and the, that future dollar is going to be worth a lot more. So I, yeah, it starting early, start often and make it regular. Absolutely. We, we can speak about, um, you know, we can speak about lack of resources and finances in our community for days. Uh, mm-hmm. But another huge topic that you also know well is the mental health, right? So yes. as we segue and talk about the, your book, uh, PTSD, Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction, talk about how this whole idea came about and your personal experience when you talk about just mental health. Yeah, so so I live with PTSD and, and depression and anxiety and all all types of stuff. I think many of us do. And, um, but the book, it, it came about when I was, I was dealing with some of the toughest stuff that I've ever had to deal with in my life. Um, my grandmother, she was, uh, diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and, uh, right around Christmas, she had had a brain, she had a, a, a tumor removed from her brain. And January 1st of that following year, I woke up to a call from my dad and, and she had attempted suicide by overdosing on insulin. And so that was my, you know, happy new year, good morning call. And a couple of days later, just like more stuff, more dramas just started to trickle out. And I didn't, I have any, my, all my coping mechanisms were just gone. Right. Like I was used to compartmentalizing. I was used to internalizing a lot of stuff and I, I just couldn't no more. So I turned to just writing and I would get my phone at the end of every night and just, just write and just write and write and write. And um, it was just feelings. Some of it was, you know, one word, you know, it, it was just whatever I felt. And um, I did that for the course of her, her, the rest of her life. When she passed away, I took those journal entries in my phone and put it on my computer and it was 60 pages. And that was a six month span. And so much happened that I was like, okay, how do, how do I deal with all this? And so I just kept writing. And I took that as like the, that was like the climax of it all. But then I built up to how did we get to this place? And, you know, I, um, what, what really was a turning tipping point was I found myself, uh, I had an anxiety attack and it was like the first time, like I really, really felt anxiety and I was on the ground crying in a fetal position. And I, I don't even know what I was saying. And Outside looking in, probably you probably wouldn't even notice. Like I probably had conversations with Dre. I probably had I was walking around, I was a zombie really though. 
And um, so I like the next day I was like, man, I need to go to therapy. I need to go to a doctor and figure this out. Cause I don't, I was like having this out of body experience looking at myself, like that's not me. And so I just, you know, had to, you know, focus on my mental health so that I could be productive, so that I could live, so that I could sleep, so I could, you know, be me again. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And yeah, it's amazing where it's come gone so far. There's a major shift right now around mental health, mental health awareness, especially for athletes. How important is that sports? How how important is that sports pro- program, even at the high school level, start to in- in- incorporate wellness? Man, extremely important. And I think going back to kind of the same topic about finances, you know, the earlier the better. Because as soon as we start thinking, we can start we can start having mental health issues, right? And that's immediately. And so um, you know, the the space in between our ears is so important for everything that we do in life. And you you notice behavior issues early on in a in a in a child's life, you know, sometimes behavior is just the presentation of of mental health that can't be expressed verbally so they're going to act out and so you know i i've done a lot of research and and you know adverse childhood experiences they call them aces that's a study that that looks at 10 different categories of things from trauma neglect abuse and uh including sexual traumas mm-hmm. and um and you rank it and you know you'll be surprised that you know at the age of five ten 15 what some kids score on those things mm-hmm. and i happen to have 10 out of 10 on it and um so that that and and those those scores uh they've done studies and research on you know the health outcomes later on in life based off what your score is and so like we're talking early early on like if we can prevent those things if we can start talking about ways to uh self-regulate so that you aren't you know 18 or 30 or 50 not knowing skills to to help yourself regulate um yeah it should start as early as 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 we can man when you talk about uh, you know i'm just kind of being more aware of just mental health in terms of um just the impact from an early age as you mentioned um because just based off of just the information that i know you know within those first five to ten years that shapes everything of a kid's life in terms of just how they see the world. So those experiences, whether it be traumatic, growing up in environments that are not healthy, they really start to see life that way and think that is the healthy, whether it be domestic violence, you know, crime, drug, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. You think that's just the way of life it is for everybody. And um, being able to, uh, you know, be, be aware of it, you know, early on and start the healing process or in most in any other case to try to prevent those things is very vital. Um, and just reading your book and just some of the things that um, just kind of early on in the pages when you talk about and this is interesting. Right. Um, because this was normal to me. I grew up in a city, Miami, um, seeing everything from a very young age. I lost my dad. My dad died before I was even born. Right. Through mm-hmm. violence and um, my mom was a teenage mom, just like you. Um, but um, this, this story that you mentioned in the, in the in the book about peeing in the pill bottle, like <laughs> I literally thought that was just what you did. You know, you right. had cousins and uncles and stuff that might have been in the system, and you know, and literally that's what I did. 
You know what I mean? And I just, you know, now as an adult, I have my own son who's three and just being able to just kind of go back on some of these things. I'm like, man, these these experiences, these things that we're exposed to, that I was exposed to, that you were exposed to, some of these individuals that's just from environments like that, man, like it's it's PTSD from the beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I say I think many of us are walking around with PTSD and not knowing it. It's often you know, misdiagnosed or, or underdiagnosed as something that, you know, depression or, but, you know, PTSD is, is prevalent. Yeah. And yeah, the pill bottles. I mean, I was, I was like toward the end of my, my grandfather's life. Uh, I'd go over there and he, he got the stove like cracked open on preheat, warming the, warming the spot up. And that was normal at one point. Yeah. It was just yeah. carbon monoxide, just breathing it all in. It's like, dang, like, that's crazy. Like, but so many things like that that we normalize that like you said you got to become aware that those things aren't actually normal and that's that's kind of the progression of the book and i don't know how far you've gotten but you know the first half is the first third is normalization and then realization you know the awakening like oh this wasn't normal and then finally liberation where you're able to you know find peace in all of it amazing book and i definitely recommend um as i work my way through it man that individuals go out and get a copy, man. I mean, you're really talking about some stuff that are, um, as more people read it, they realize that it's a lot of things in their life that relates to it, um, that, that they can relate to. They can find something that, they, that they've probably experienced in their lifetime. So can you talk about some of the things uh, maybe that you're doing in the community or could be done around just mental health awareness and even final financial education? We talk about it briefly, just kind of the exposure early on, but I don't know if there's anything you're doing now uh, trying to help in the community with this type of stuff. Yeah, so uh, honestly, just like this past weekend, I had a, a wellness event. Uh, it was a book signing, but we uh, included a theme of wellness, and so brought out multiple vendors from you know nutritional wellness to spiritual wellness to uh, financial, occupational, all the different forms of wellness in a person's life. Try to expose them to that, understand that you know all these things are working in. in balance with one another you at least want to get them in balance with one another because it's one thing to to have all the money in the world but your mental health is gone or to be as spiritual as can be but you know your physical is gone like so you want to be able to to live in that balance and uh so you know just like trying to make you know my platform uh a, a place where people can come to at least get knowledge about those things, whether it's my, my social media or, you know, events such as that one. Um, I'm, I'm on the board of a couple of nonprofits, some that focus primarily on mental health or some form of health and wellness, uh, just to, uh, and, and with the, with the mission, you know, overarching mission of getting that out to the public, getting that out to communities that don't necessarily get it all the time. And so serving on those boards from a high level, being able to you know, make strategic decisions and, and bring in partners that will help get that word out, um, bring money in to get it to communities, get it to the people that need it. Uh, and then I've, I've been you know, kind of on the speaking circuit recently and just going around telling my story, being vulnerable, allowing other people to be vulnerable. And, um, you know, that's that's been you know one of the best platforms for me to be able to tell the story and get it out there to pe get people to understand you know how important it is to take care of your your mental health and your wellness. Yeah. So so Richard, where, where can people find you and, and purchase your book? Yeah. So um, social media Reggie D Ford 
pretty much everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. And then you can buy my book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever you get your books. Uh, if you, if I, I prefer you get them from a local bookstore, support our local bookstores. So if, uh, if you call your local bookstore or go online, try to order it that way, um, Perseverance Through Severe Dysfunction, they'll order it for you, ship it to you, whatever it may be. Well, listen, this has been truly uh, an episode of enlightenment, uh, education, uh, just, ex just, just so many different dynamics that plays into uh, this episode. And I think that these are the type of episodes that ultimately you know, we like to kind of touch on and we like to, you know, bring forth because, yeah, we can talk about sports and being drafted and money. But we talk about um, for the betterment of the community, a lot everybody won't have the opportunity to make it grow. Right. But for the betterment of an individual, um, being more aware um, of these things, when we talk about mental health and finances, I think that we can start to overall build a better community, better environment. Um, just better individuals and in um, that that comes from you know where we're coming from. We're just trying to impact those type of communities. So, man, Reggie, I appreciate you taking some time, jumping on, talking about your life experience and the things that you um, have have gone through and the things that you just aspire to. Um, I appreciate it, Dre. Is there anything else you have for Reggie? Oh, uh, you know, Reggie, that's, that's my boy, man. Like we we came up together in college. Like I really really got to know him in college, but uh, he really put me on. I know I, I made it to the NFL. I, I, I was making money. I didn't didn't know what to do with it. I didn't didn't have, didn't have no clue to do with it, bro. Like no clue what I would do with my money. I I'll, I'll just put it just put it in the bank, put it in the bank, put it in the bank. Get get some to my mom here, get some get some to my sister here, get some to my, my other sister here, get some to my daddy. And I, I, that's all I that's all I knew. Just give people give 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 away money, just give away money. And uh, then Reg came into my life and taught me how to invest. And that that, thing, that really changed my life and really put me on the right path of, with, with money. Cause like I said I didn't I didn't know what to do. I, I never heard about investments. I, I never I never grew up like that. So. I thought put put your money in the bank, put your money in the bank. That's all I ever thought. So he really he really put me on like kind of investing, like really build building my wealth and kind of getting and kind of being like a mature adult. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was still a kid making all that money, and just just giving it away basically. So he really he really put me on and really had really guided me through through through, through that life lesson of like saving money and doing the right thing by money. So I really appreciate you, Ray, for that. Appreciate you, my brother. Awesome, awesome, man. And that's just a story in itself, man. And just. You know, more guys are like that or have those experiences probably than not in terms of just not being really sure about what it is they want to do with their money, what they should do. And that's how sometimes guys find themselves in not so um, great situations in terms of losing their money and things like that. But ultimately, man, again, we appreciate you jumping on the podcast again for all those that are um, listening and watching. Please go. Um, find reggie d ford on almost uh, all social media so that you can check it check out his platform go find it and buy his book and, and support this brother so with that being said we thank you for being on the podcast um until next time enjoy appreciate y'all thanks for listening to another episode of what's the hype podcast remember to like subscribe and comment Follow us on all platforms at What's the Hype Podcast. I've been grinding all my life, yeah. all my life, been grinding all my life. Yeah. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.